Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Mia Hull and this is Out of the Box. Every Thursday on this show from 12 to 1, I sit down with one person to roll through the stories and songs that have defined their life. I'm coming to you from land belonging to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and my guest is joining me remotely from Jarjawarung country. I want to take this moment to acknowledge that both of us are coming to you from unceded Aboriginal land. We pay our respects to Gadigal and Jarjawarung elders past, present and emerging, and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. Today we're taking part in something that Aboriginal people have done on this land since the beginning of time, which is sharing stories. And I am joined by a storyteller. Her name is Eliza Hull. She is an artist, writer, journalist and disability advocate. Throughout the show today, I want to jump into each of those individual titles and look at the different ways they've affected her life and the different ways they intertwine. Eliza Hull, thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Box today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Let's first hone into the title of author. You've just released a book. Congratulations. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Yeah, so I guess it really began, the idea began eight years ago when I was pregnant with my daughter and I had faced discrimination when I was even thinking about having children by my neurologist I went to him really excited that I had fallen in love and was uh, hopeful for the future. And I said to him that I you know, really wanted to start thinking about having kids. And instead of him giving me any ways that I could make that a possibility, I was really just seeking for, I guess, really just experience and knowledge from him, little tips on ways that I could modify and make uh, a you know change and adapt to be a great parent, but instead, he just said, I, "I don't think that you should be a parent." And have you thought about other options? And I don't think that you will manage. And I remember just feeling a lot of shame and vulnerability in that moment. And if I had have listened to him, I wouldn't have the two you know gorgeous children that I have today. Uh, when I was finally became pregnant, I was searching for a book like this because I wanted to feel less alone in my decision to parent. And there just really wasn't anything out there. Uh, You get given all these stacks of parenting books, uh, so many of them, but I couldn't think of one that accurately or authentically represented a parent with a disability. And so really it was just, it came from that need of wanting to feel less alone as a a person with disability embarking on parenting. I wanted to create it for anybody that was in my situation as a person with disability contemplating becoming a parent, just feeling represented. And uh, there's 25 parents in this book that identify as disabled or deaf or having chronic illness. And I think that it will enable change, especially in the medical system, but it will also be that book that will, I guess, 
enable more people with disability to have parents and feel represented and know that they can be a parent, which is very exciting. Mm. I'm I'm interested in what you said about becoming a parent and, you know, wishing that you had this book and wishing that you had that guidance. What is it like to find other people in the community who are parenting with disabilities? How did you get all of the writers together on this project? It was a really hard (laughs) job, I'm not going to lie, because I wanted to make sure that I had a real cross-section of diversity. Uh, So that being um, different disability and also um, people from other diverse groups, uh, making sure that I prioritise First Nation writers, culturally and linguistically diverse writers, writers that identified as non-binary and queer. So, and then also location. I wanted to have a broad range of people from various locations around Australia. So huge task, but I'm really proud of the the people that I have put in the book. And I I think that this book could have been times (laughs) 20 more of them with all different writers and voices. Uh, But in the end, there is a really great varying experience, uh, unique experience. And I think uh, also around subject matter as well, each experience is very different. Whilst there are common threads between all of our stories, they're they're Mm -hmm. very unique. Ultimately, I think it's been just wonderful to feel very connected to these parents. And we've created a group online now where we can just chat and talk to each other and ask questions and know that we're not going to be judged or discriminated against. Ultimately, it's created further connection and, yeah, it's been it's been a really positive thing for all of us. I love that and I love the use of the word purposeful. I want to circle back to that later in the show and I want to circle back to all of these little snippets of your life that you've just given me in describing your book. It's called We've Got This and I'll put the details up in the programs page on fbiradio.com. One of the snippets that you mentioned was your work with the South Sudanese community and you have actually chosen a song by South Sudan's king of music, Gordon Koang. Tell me about this one, Eliza. Yeah, so Gordon, he we just performed together on the weekend at the Brunswick Music Festival. Uh, we spoke about our experiences of having disability. And he's a blind man. He's from South Sudan. And I just adore his music. I find it very... Yeah, I mean, joyous is a word that comes to mind. I feel like his mission is to create unity. So he wants to enable people to see us see everybody as people which might seem very simple but ableism and racism exists and uh, ultimately like his music is one step towards a more peaceful world and that's why I love it and I really enjoyed doing the event with him and hearing his unique experiences of living in South Sudan and being blind and using music as a way to fill his purpose. And as I said, I have worked with the South Sudanese community, which was a tricky process because I didn't ever want to overpower 
which I, I mean, I know I wouldn't have anyway, but I just didn't want to come into a space where I was taking up space. Mm. Um, so I was always very much a facilitator and enabled their stories, enabled their songs, but never took over the process, always sat back. And in fact, I ended up organising Ajak Kawa, a musician, to come in and mentor the, the young South Sudanese women and um, a Tonga Tem and a white Conga from Melbourne to come and, and facilitate so I could take another step back from the process. But the South Sudanese culture is just a beautiful, rich and colourful culture and that's why Gordon's music speaks to me even more. And we'll jump into that song right now on FBI Radio 94.5. This is Gordon Kowang. The song is called South Sudan. You'll sing to Out of the Box with me, Mia Hull and Eliza Hull. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB or if you're streaming via the podcast or on the website, that was South Sudan by Gordon Koang, chosen by my guest on the show, Eliza Hull. I'm your host, Mia Hull, and while that song was playing, Eliza said, we should probably specify that we're not related. (laughs) Um, We grew up in completely different parts of the world and I want to go back to the part of the world that you grew up in, Eliza. Where did your life start? Uh, so I was born in Kerrang and grew up in Kahuna until I was five years old. I lived on a farm for those first five years until my dad decided that he couldn't uh, work on the farm anymore because he hurt his back. So then we moved to Wodonga, um, which is about three hours away from there. And yeah, set up a new home and went to a new school uh, so it was a yeah completely different life than living on the farm. When you think of your childhood, do you mostly think of your life in Wodonga? Yeah, I I only have very like s- small memories of Kahuna those first years. Yeah, like quite visual memories. I do have one vivid memory of um, jumping on the back of a a motorbike and putting my sister on it. Uh, without my parents' permission and without my parents on the motorbike and driving off uh, and my dad screaming and we lived on a major highway and so I was got out of the farm and down towards the highway and I was like, you know, five years old, four, four or five years old. How old was your sister? Uh, she was two. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so I just remember my dad being like really frightened and I could, I guess we could have died, but um, I'd been watching dad start the motorbike and for, for so long on the back of it and just thought, <laughs> oh, well, I'll give it a go. I'm sure I can drive it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that would have been a pretty scary experience for dad watching me drive off on that with that as in such a young age. Yeah, and then you had to Wodonga start living your life there and Eliza you now identify as a person with a disability when did disability first touch your life yeah so I was about five years Mm. old and had just started a new school and was started falling over 
And I remember vividly like having blood all over my knees every single day because the um, the rocks, I remember on, along the driveways of the school, just constantly falling on it and on it um, every day. And I just couldn't, yeah, I could, couldn't walk. I just found it so tricky and just couldn't stop falling over. And mum and dad took me to the Royal Children's, very unsure what was happening. Uh, I was officially diagnosed with something that was uh, terminal and that I was told I was going to die. So that would have been very scary for mum and dad. Mm. I remember feeling very confused what was going on uh, and a lot of conversations were had, you know, with me in the room but not with me as a participant of those conversations. So I just felt like, what is going on? They're talking about me. I have no idea what they're saying. I was very confused. Uh, in the end, I was diagnosed with Charcot-Marie-Tooth, which is a neuro- neurological condition uh, that affects the way that I walk. And it's a progressive disability. Um, a lot of people think that it only affects my legs because of the way I walk. I walk differently and I fall over often. And I can't get upstairs. But in fact, it's, it affects my whole body um, in various ways. Uh, so some very in, invisible parts and, very, and some very visible. And it also just depends on the day, how tired I am, um, how much pain I'm in. But ultimately, it's that your muscle deteriorates. And so it affects, it affects the, you know, I can't open up jars and... Um, I play, you know, I play my music very differently because of my disability. Uh, it affects everything, you know, from, you know, my lungs to the way I breathe and sing to the way I play piano. I can't bend my hands and fingers very well. So I play the piano with straight fingers, which looks quite unusual when you see it, Mm -hmm. but it's just the way I've done it. And I've just adapted that way. And I mean, people with disability are very great at adapting because we have to be. And so ultimately, I, whilst it was very challenging to develop a disability at that time and I struggled a lot through my childhood and teenage years, now as an adult, I see it as a great part of me, something that I'm very proud of. I don't hide it anymore, which is just a really great feeling. Well, yeah, you you called it purposeful before. I've never heard someone use that word to describe their disability before. What what does that mean? Uh, it means that I guess it's you know, it's a tricky question. I'm not sure that everyone would feel this way as a person with disability. Um, so I can't speak for every person, but in my experience, it was something that I hid for a long time, something I feared because of a lack of representation in the media and the music industry, in films. I never saw myself, so I always thought I was different and therefore something was wrong and needed to be fixed. That was the way I lived my life. But now I think, you know, the world is changing and I feel more accepted in the world. You know, there's so much that needs to be changed and there's so so many attitudes and uh, stereotypes and misconceptions about disability. But I, we are seeing change. Uh, so I think now I view it as, yeah, as I said, purposeful because w- who would I be without it? I'd be a completely different person. 
and I wouldn't have created this book. Mm. I probably wouldn't sing with the, the way that I sing. I think that I sing with a lot of energy and emotion and I wouldn't uh, be able to speak about lived experience in order to change the perceptions of people with disability more widely and that's ultimately my goal in whatever I choose I always Mm. ask the question is that serving that purpose is it going to change perceptions by doing it and so that's why I do a lot of a lot of advocacy work um, heaps of volunteer advocacy work because it's his purposeful Mm. I'd love it and um yeah, that's when you start seeing the shifts and the changes in the world, it's a really, it's just a, ultimately a very great feeling. You talked about your early childhood and growing up as being difficult because you were learning to adapt to this disability. And by way of that and in learning to adapt and almost shape your life around it, were you ever looking forward and thinking about what your life might look like as an adult or what you might do? Yeah, I think that um, through my teenage years, I experienced a lot of a lot of bullying, like people at school walking behind me, um, mimicking the way I walk and making noises, people laughing, people asking what's wrong with me all the time. Uh, people getting excited when I'd had surgery, hoping that I was going to be fixed, Uh, people stopping me on the street and praying for me. I think you start thinking, oh, okay, I I do need to be fixed, I need to change. And so therefore you then spend the rest of your life hiding your disability and it can be really overbearing at times, hiding who you are. Uh, but I had a really great family and also really great friends that we were like really creative and you know into drama and music and they're still my friends today. So I think we just, you know, having that family and having the, my friends, I just, I saw the world as pos- like a possible world for me and I, you know, come from quite, you know, I've a privileged background really. My parents both worked, you know, teacher and owned a business. And yeah, I mean, I know that that's not the case for everyone, but I think having that support system in place just made me feel like I could do things and I could um, make music and put the music out into the world. And so I, whilst I was hiding all the time, I was still very excited about the future. And in a couple of minutes' time, we will talk about the future and the music that you've gone on to make. But first, you've chosen a song by John Lennon to play on the show, Eliza. Tell me about this one. Yeah, so um, my grandmother, she's my only grandmother that, that I've been able to meet. And um, she... You know, she's not the most creative person. She's not really musical, although she can play a little bit of keyboard. Um, But every year at Christmas, this was the traditional song that we played at the dinner table on Christmas. And so it just, I guess, reminds me of family and being around the table and singing this song all together. 
And I felt like this song was also really timely right now because, you know, John Lennon was talking about the war then and yet here we are again and there's war taking place in this world. And I just, I I can't believe that humans would do that to each other. I still can't believe that we would do that in this modern world. Uh, So it's very, very sad. Um, So I guess I I just wanted this song to be heard right now. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5. This is Imagine by John Lennon. You may say I'm a dreamer. But I'm not the only one I hope someday you'll join us And the world will be as one Imagine no possessions You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. That song was by John Lennon. It was called Imagine and it was chosen by my guest on the show today, artist, writer, journalist and disability advocate Eliza Hull. We were just touching a little bit on your music, Eliza, and the way that you make music. Did you grow up in a very musical household? Was it always something that you saw yourself doing? Um, Well, no, my my parents never like actually played instruments um my mum would claim that I got my singing voice from her (laughs) she's Irish (laughs) and you know she can sing a little bit (laughs) um but it was still a musical family in that we always had records playing and songs playing on the stereo and mum and dad were very social and had lots of people around on the weekends and dinner parties and songs playing so whilst it might not have been musical in the sense that we all played together, but it was still a music music house in that we all loved music and Mm. mum's a drama teacher and very creative. So, yeah, I would class that we were, you know, music lovers as a a family at least. Where were you in life when it started to stick out to you a little bit more and you started to think of it more as you know, something that you would do rather than something that you just loved? Yeah, as a child, I used to make the whole house, this the concert, and so the kitchen would be backstage, the lounge room would be the stage. I'd, like, warm up in the kitchen and pretend that I was <laughs> um, going to go onto the, onto the stage. And, yeah, so there was a lot of that kind of pretending. I'd get friends to pretend they were Molly Meldrum and interview me. <laughs> yeah, just doing like make-believe interviews. But it wasn't until we had a family friend who passed away and she'd written in her will that she wanted her piano to be given to somebody that was wanting to make music a career and wanting to play the piano. And luckily that was I was chosen and so the piano got shipped to our house. And I'll never forget the day it came was the day I wrote my first song and just poured out of me. And quite a complex song, actually, now that I look back on it, you know, playing what chords I was playing and what I was singing about. That was, I was probably about 14 or, or yeah, probably 14, I, th- I imagine. Um, yeah, it just poured out of me. And then it was like, oh, this feels really good, expressing myself 
lyrically and having that creative outlet especially when there were times that were hard because of being disabled there were times where I you know was a wheelchair user during high school due to surgery operations and I just wanted an escape just wanted time to get away and so I would often go into the little music rooms at high school and just play the piano and and sing songs and it was a really great release when times were hard. Mm. Earlier in the show, you talked about how your disability impacts your music making and it was kind of more of a mechanical way. You talked about how you play with your hands flat on the piano and how it impacts the way that you sing. I'm wondering if there's more of a thematic way, like you talked about it as a release as well. Uh, what kind of informs it? What's what's behind the music that you make and what kind of stories are you trying to share through it? Right now I'm writing a record that is about disability and whilst I don't use the word disability, I'm speaking about the experiences of self-acceptance, identity. Uh, For instance, there's a song that's coming out soon called Here We Come and it's about the way that it feels like people and especially women are stepping forward and speaking truth and so it's here we come is all of us coming really just almost like we're coming out of out of this time and instead we're we're stepping into a world of truth and a world of authenticity and you know the chorus line is all these walls that I built to protect myself uh, are falling down to the floor. And all of those murmuring ghosts that followed me home at night, they won't haunt me anymore. And I guess I'm just talking about the walls of hiding, you know, the walls of protection that I used to think were important for self protection I am letting them go now and I'm speaking truth and I'm being myself and I don't you know I don't want to hide anymore and I think when I write these songs and I sing it's just that extra energy towards being true to myself and expressing who I am Mm. when can we expect that album is it coming out anytime soon yeah it'll be out at the end of this year and I'm working with two great producers, uh, a, a man called Pip Norman, who's w- worked with Baker Boy uh, and, I mean, loads of other artists, and Georgia Sally Banks, who goes under Odette. Mm. She's a great singer, a songwriter, and, mm. yeah, she's working on it as well, and it's been a real privilege working with the two of those people. Amazing. Well, we'll keep an eye out for Eliza Hull's new album at the end of the year. In the meantime, we'll have to listen to some Janis Joplin to tie us over, Eliza. <laughs> Why did you pick this one to play on the show today? Uh, look, this, you know, Janis Joplin's not really stylistically like my music, but <laughs> in saying that, I've sang this song so many times and I love singing it because it's got such guts. And I think Janice is someone that wasn't afraid of being herself. Like she was just so out there, boisterous, proud. You know, she had her insecurities, that's for sure. 
as we all do. Um, but she went and lived her dream, even though her parents told her not to. Uh, she just, she did it and she um, was really courageous. And so that's why I love listening to her music. This is A Piece of My Heart by Janis Joplin. Do stay tuned. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5 with Eliza Hull. Janis Joplin, A Piece of My Heart. You heard that song right here on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Mia Hull. I'm joined by Eliza Hull, who chose that song. And, you know, Eliza, at the top of the show, I rattled off all of these titles that you hold, artist, writer, journalist and disability advocate. I do want to dig into the title of journalist. Why were you interested in journalism? Good question. I, yeah, as, of, as soon as I could start writing, I wrote in my journal that I wanted to be a musician and a journalist. And I think what I was really saying was I want to be a writer. <laughs> but I think that you just believe that you shouldn't say that. And so you just write, you write down journalist because that's like something that might be you know, something that is a career, um, mm. which is just something that you have been potentially told or believe. It's not true. Writers, are, you know, they are careers, being a writer. But in saying that, I think I have loved doing journalism. I've worked for the ABC and created the podcast series of We've Got This and written articles and, and worked for different news outlets and I think ultimately I do love doing that and it's again just falls into that amplifying the voices of others so anything that does that shares other people's stories amplifies other voices especially voices from minority groups that's something I'm passionate and proud to do and so that's any journalism that I've ever done has always been about that, about spotlighting issues, changing perceptions and amplifying the voices of others. I love that so much. I mean, it's why we're having this conversation today. Um, Well, I want to talk about another time that you were studying as well and a specific moment from that that, you know, came up when we were researching this episode um, involved you standing up in front of the whole class and being asked to stamp your feet on stage why does that moment stick out to you uh so yeah I was over in Boston in America and was studying at Berkeley I did their songwriting course over this uh, course of a couple of months and there was famous singer James Taylor there and he was doing a master class and he was getting the group of students to get up on the stage and stamp their feet in 4-4 time and I just remember crumbling, thinking, oh, please don't pick me, please don't pick me. 
sure enough, he picks me. <laughs> and there I was uh, thinking, how am I going to do this? I got up on the stage and I burst into tears and I said, um, I can't stamp my feet in 4-4 because of my, you know, I probably said leg problem at that point. I said, I've got a leg problem. And he just was like, what? Like, you've got to be proud of who you are. Like, just stop hiding it. It's okay to be mm. different. It's okay. Like, it's okay to be different. And it was a massive turning point for me, just realising, oh, it is okay to be different. It's okay to be yourself. And I trusted him and I believed it for the first time. And it was really a big turning point in my life where I thought, okay, it is time. It's time to stop hiding it and to stop calling it a problem and start accepting myself. And that's, that was that. Yeah, I think I, it's so beautiful that you call it that because my next question was going to, you know, ask, Eliza, would you call this a turning point? Would you say that there was, you know, a shift there? And it, it very much seems that way. And, you know, again, circling back to the word purposeful to describe it, I, I, yeah, I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, definitely be- felt like a meant to be moment because definitely it was a turning point. Eliza, what's the next song you've picked for today? I picked Cheryl Crow, Every Day is a Winding Road, which <laughs> is quite funny, this song. Like, it's a bit of a cheesy song, I'm not going to lie. But, um, you know, picture me, 17 going on 18, just finished year 12, thinking about starting university, doing the journalism course, desperate to make a career in music, in my crappy car that almost didn't make it to Melbourne from Wodonga and just yeah was blasting this song on the stereo with the windows down and hands out the window and 40 degree (laughs) heat (laughs) and uh it really was just like okay now it's my time to be independent my time to become a I guess an adult (laughs) a young adult uh my chance to make change I guess and and start being you know being the person I wanted to become I love the idea that some people listening to this may be in their cars as well uh so turn it up it's every day is a windy road by Cheryl Crow on FBI radio 94.5 Every day is a windy road. That was Cheryl Crow on Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. My name is Mia Hull. I am joined by artist, writer, journalist and disability advocate Eliza Hull. And throughout the show, we've kind of gone through each of those titles and fleshed out what they mean. But, I mean, Eliza, that's so much stuff to have on your plate at once. What's it? like to balance having this new book out and having your two kids and doing the music tell me about that yeah I guess um you know right now it is a real juggle (laughs) I'm not gonna lie yeah especially I'm I mean I'm off to America 
on Monday, this next week. And I'm performing at the South by Southwest Festival and as part of their first ever disability showcase and on a panel um, about accessibility. And it's tricky leaving the kids behind for that um, just over a week. Um, But I guess, you know, telling my children, you know, especially describing it to my seven-year-old as to why I'm going, the purpose behind why I'm going and what I want to see for the future and what I want to see for the world that we live in, I think it makes it uh, easier for me (laughs) and for her Um, because, yeah, again, it feels purposeful and feels like it's part of the change that I want to see in the music industry. At the start of the show, we talked about the book you've just released, We've Got This, which is a collection of you know stories and experiences from parents with disabilities I've realized how big this question is but do you think you could perhaps give me a little bit of insight into what your life is like as a parent with a disability on the day-to-day I think ultimately it's like quite tiring to be a parent with a disability at times but the way that I adapt is just finding solutions to do things in a safe way. When they were little, um, I would get, you know, certain adaptive technology to give them a bath that was safe. When I get them out of the car, I lean up against the car, putting all my weight on the car to get them out. Um, They're really beautiful kids, so they know that... I fall over so they move all the toys off the floor which is quite like a a win-win because it means the house is clean (laughs) but also it just means that I don't fall over and trip on things. Uh, My daughter pulls me across the road so that I make it in time. Then you know by having a disability in the home I'm creating a more inclusive family my daughter is open to diversity. She's very proud to have a mother with a disability. And yeah, she just, she sees it as something that's a positive. She doesn't see it as a, as a problem to fix. And whenever anyone asks, she'll always proudly say, my mum has a disability. It's purposeful. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I guess that's a little bit of the many stories that can be found in your book, We've Got This. I'll put a link to it up on the programs page on fbiradio.com. So if anyone does want to read it, that's where you can find it. Eliza Hull, it's been such a privilege getting to speak to you today on Out of the Box. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Um, no, not really. I just really enjoyed our chat. And yeah, if anyone's interested in the book, it's in bookstores now and it features parents with disability and parents that identify as deaf and having chronic illness. Uh, And I think, I I really hope that it enables change in the the medical system. And I hope that it reaches people that might be contemplating having children, uh, feeling alone in their decision. and, And hopefully this book really enables them to feel less alone and to feel uh, represented in these stories 
also if you are a parent and you have a child with a disability, I feel like this book is also a way to show you what is uh, possible for your children. Amazing. Uh, What song would you like to end on? Yes, this song is Florence and the Machine and it's called Shake It Out. And this one's just a really empowering song that, um, yeah, it makes me feel really joyous uh, and happy, I guess, as well. And also just, you know, really feel like I can be true to who I am and be authentic and be proud. Beautiful. We'll dive into it right now on FBI Radio 94.5. It's Shake It Off by Florence and the Machine, chosen by my guest on Out of the Box today, artist, writer, journalist and disability advocate Eliza Hull. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you did want to find any of the things Eliza and I have spoken about, I'll put the details up on the program's page on fbiradio.com. While you're there, you can also see the full list of the songs that Eliza brought to the show. You can also listen back um, for the program's page if you like or via the podcast wherever you get your podcasts big shout out to producer claudia for getting this episode together for me and stay tuned lunch is right around the corner fbi Tonight I-